You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 5. Enjoy. We've been in the midst of a series called The Jesus Tree. Yeah, we're talking about our family tree, our supernatural family tree, okay? If you've put your faith in Christ, in other words, with your heart you've believed that God raised Jesus from the dead, and with your mouth, you've, you've said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Whether you realize it or not, something miraculous happened when you did that. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and the Holy Spirit made your spirit brand new. And you've been reborn. Jesus in John chapter 3 called it being born from above or being born again. He was talking about our spirits being made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. So your spirit has been made new. You're now born of God. Isn't that amazing? God has become your father through faith in Jesus Christ. And he won't hurt you. He's a perfect father. He'll never leave you. He'll never do something bad to you. He'll never hurt you. He's perfect love. And the Holy Spirit, God's spirit is now inside of you. His kingdom is inside of you. And his nature is inside of you. That might not seem possible, but it's true, okay? And what we simply need to do is realize what's inside of us now, what's happened on the inside, so that what's on the inside rises to the outside, okay? So we've been talking about that. We're talking about our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, our supernatural family, okay? And we've said that the knowledge of God's true nature and will unlocks the real you. When you begin to realize how good God is and how much He loves you, not how much you love Him, how much He loves you, okay? The emphasis on His love for us, not our love for Him. When you begin to realize how much He loves you and what He's already done for you through Jesus Christ, it sets the real you free. Yeah, the real you becomes free and starts to rise to the surface. But the opposite, opposite of that is true. If you don't realize his true nature and will, if you believe things about him that, that aren't true, if you, if you think he's going to hurt you, if you think that, that he's looking down on you and condemning you, it, it, it keeps the real you from, from uh, living. It, 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 the real you is bound up with confusing thoughts and condemnation and guilt and shame. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is also our promise of the month for August. Okay, this is our first Sunday in August. This is our promise of the month. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone from Rhode Island... Right? How about Massachusetts? Does that include Massachusetts? It really doesn't matter where you're from, does it? If anyone is in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? You've believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and with your mouth you've declared Jesus the Lord of your life. Right? If you've done that, you're in Christ, then you're a new creation. What? Yeah. You're a new creation right now. Whether you realize it or not, you are. The old has gone. It's a done deal. The new has come. Look how the message translation says this. 
Now we look inside, not outside. We look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. Wow. That's good news, isn't it? A new life burgeons. That means blossoms and flourishes. Look at it. God wants us to see who we are in Christ. How are we going to look inside, though? An x-ray won't work. How are you going to see your spirit? A CAT scan won't do it. MRI, MRI won't do it. How are we going to see the spiritual reality of what happened when we put our faith in Christ? You know we can't physically see spiritual realities. We can see the evidence of them. I've never once in my life seen the wind. But boy, have I seen the evidence of the wind, right? So we can't, with our physical eyes, see spiritual realities. How are we going to do it? Well, we know that, that James tells us the Bible is, the, is like a mirror, right, in James chapter 1. Verses 23 through 25. So the Word of God, we look into the Word of God to see who we are in Christ. Right? right? How are we going to see who God is clearly? How are we going to see uh, His will for us clearly? How are we going to see who we are in Christ clearly? Through faith in Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the light that we need to see God clearly. Jesus is the light we need to see ourselves clearly. Okay? In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow, what is he talking about? Jesus is the light that we need to see God clearly and to see the new us clearly. Well, what does light do? Light, according to the dictionary, stimulates sight and makes things visible. All right? Faith in Jesus stimulates our spiritual sight, enables us to see spiritual realities. In fact, the origin of the word light, I like this. It's from an old English word, and it literally means to lessen the weight of. Didn't Jesus say, my yoke is easy, my load is light? So through faith in Jesus, we begin to see the nature of God, the will of God, life abundantly. Did you know it's God's will for you to have life abundantly, to be healthy and to be strong for the rest of your life? Okay, we see that in Jesus. He told us that, right? And, and, and the burden is removed from us. Burdens are removed when you put your faith in Jesus. His yoke is easy. His load is light. So what does he mean when he says, I'm the light of the world? Is he a flashlight? Is he a light bulb? Is he a lighthouse? What is he saying? I'm the truth about who God is. And I am the truth about who you were made to be. 
when you look at me and get to know me, you'll know the Father. And you'll realize your destiny. I'm the light of the world. Now, we could say it this way. Light is equivalent to the knowledge of God's true nature and will. So there's light in my life if I know God's true nature and will. Darkness, on the other hand, is ignorance of God's true nature and will. This is going to get real good real soon. So stay with me. We're going to share some things you might not have heard before. And they might be a little shocking, but that's normal around here, right? So let's get into this a little bit. So light comes into my life through the knowledge of God's true nature and will. Well, Jesus is that, right? He is the nature and will of the Father. On the other hand, darkness will remain in my life if I'm ignorant of God's true nature and will. Okay? Now, we know that Jesus is the Word, and God's Word is light. Okay? It's supernatural light. When God's Word is taught properly, light comes. When it's not, bondage comes. All right? Just because you've been in a church doesn't mean you've heard the light. Okay? When the light of God's Word is received, it enables us to see and understand spiritual realities. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. There's a lot of things taught in churches that are dark, that are contrary to the nature of God. Stay with me. This is going to help you know him more. Isn't that what we're here for, right? We want to experience more of Jesus. We do that through the knowledge of his love for us, of his nature, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's talking about our physical eyes, right? Spiritual realities. How can you be sure of spiritual realities? Faith in Jesus. This is what the ancients were commended for. Didn't Jesus said uh, that Abraham saw my day and was glad? <laughs> sure he did. He met Jesus in, in, as Melchizedek. Do you remember that in Genesis? All right, so verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 3. By faith... We understand. That's a great one right there. What do we understand? Things that could not be understood in any other way than faith in Jesus. By faith in Jesus, we understand spiritual realities. We understand God's love and nature. We understand His will for our lives. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. There's no other way to truly understand that. It's through faith in Christ. Isn't that amazing? So that the things... Now listen, this is, this is a doozy right here. So that the things which are seen in the material realm, the physical realm, right, were not made of things which are visible. What? 
we got to pause here for a minute. This is, this is life-changing. This changed my life when I learned this. The things which are visible or seen, physical things are not, were not made of physical things. What? The physical doesn't come from the physical. There's another realm of existence. This is not sci-fi or Twilight Zone. It's real. There is a spirit realm. It's not weird. It shouldn't be foreign to us because God is a spirit. And you are too. Did you know that? You're a spirit. If your spirit leaves your body, your body will not work. Okay? There's a spirit realm. The physical doesn't come from the physical. So if you want real answers for your health, for your peace of mind, for your, for your finances, for anything in this physical realm, you've got to go to the spirit realm. The Bible teaches us that if it's in this physical realm, it came from the spirit realm. It was in the spirit realm first. Didn't Jeremiah say, before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me? You were before you were conceived in your mother's womb. And most people are, walk in darkness of the spirit realm. But it's where the answers are. And that's why man hasn't found answers to things. Because they're studying the physical to figure out the physical. But it's not, it doesn't work. It will always fall short because the physical didn't come from the physical. It came from the spiritual. So when we go to Jesus, who's the author of life, we get spiritual answers for physical needs. What religion, they've religified that word spiritual to mean that's something that's way off in the distance, some, some way in the future, in the sweet by and by. No, spiritual's right now. Jesus said uh, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh, the physical, profits nothing. The words I speak are spirit and they are life. All right? If you want to know God, you've got to know Him spirit to spirit. That's why religion doesn't work. All right? It's not about the rituals you have to do and the quote unquote sacraments that so and so say you have to fulfill. It's about your heart and God's heart becoming one. All right? How we doing? Okay? This is good. Stay with me. You've got to stay awake. Do you, do you need a, a couple, maybe a, a quattro espresso or something? But I don't think we have any of those, so you're going to have to just pinch yourself or something. All right. Let's see. Where was I? Oh, yeah, John chapter 6, I just told you. Now, just go to John chapter 1. So faith in Jesus, according to Hebrews, enables us to see things we couldn't see in any other way. That's huge. If faith in Jesus, we could say it this way, enables us to see with our heart instead of our head. Amen. <laughs> Let me say that again because this will really help. Faith in Jesus enables us to see with our heart instead of our head. 
Now, you understand we're what's called Western culture, right? From Western Europe over to America, to North America. But if you'll trace back before America was, if you'll go back to Greece and, to, and into Western Europe, you'll see that man's intellect was exalted, right? What was it called? The, the age of reason, the age of man. And man was lifted up for his intellect. And living by your intellect became, became the way that people were taught. Not in the church, but it, it, it has moved over into the church in many ways. But in Eastern culture, it's not living by your intellect. It's living by your kidneys, by your gut. That's figurative for your spirit, by your heart. That's how we were designed to walk in the spirit, not in the intellect. The intellect is given to us by God, but it's a tool. Have you ever known something in your heart that your mind didn't know yet? You knew it in here, but your mind was trying to run to catch up? Your spirit blows your intellect away. You can know something in your spirit that will take 100 years for your intellect to figure out. This is where the life is. But Western culture has exalted the intellect. So you take intellect tests, and they rate you according to those tests, and they determine what you're fit for based on their intellect test, missing the whole picture. There's a spirit inside of you that's limitless in potential. Don't let man put you in a box based on his intellect. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So in John chapter 1, let's start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Who is that? Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Now look at verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What does that mean? Jesus is the light that unveiled mankind's true purpose. What is mankind's true purpose? To know God as our Father. That is the meaning of life. That's what it's all about. And if you don't know Him as your Father, if you're not growing in that relationship, you're missing out on your divine purpose. That can change today through simple faith in Jesus, right? So Jesus came into the earth and he revealed mankind's true purpose. He showed mankind who we were made to be, God's sons and daughters. He showed us what it's like to live life on planet earth with God as your father. Now look at verse 5. And the light... Remember the light, the knowledge of God's true nature and will? That's Jesus. The knowledge of God's true nature and will shines through Jesus. It shines in the darkness. Where's the darkness at? On the earth, right? And the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, well who's the darkness? Well, Ephesians 6.12 tells us what? It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness or darkness right in heavenly places so these spirits of darkness satan and his fallen angels they couldn't comprehend jesus 
They thought they had him. Remember we said Satan can't understand why God loves you? He can't. Love doesn't make sense to Satan. He's a cause-effect guy. You sin, you die. That's how he thinks. You don't deserve God's love, so he shouldn't love you. God doesn't think that way. He loves you not based on what you have or haven't done, but based on who he is. That's why we can have confidence 24-7. That's why we can know his love for us will never change. Right? Because it's not based on us, it's based on him. One translation says, uh, the, the darkness did not understand it. I love that. One translation says the darkness didn't, has not overpowered it. The message says it this way, verse 5. The life light blazed out of the darkness. That's Jesus in the earth. Never saw anything like it till he came. The darkness couldn't put it out. They tried, they couldn't. The New Living Translation says, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Satan can't change God's love for you. All he can try and do is get you believe, to get you to try and believe that it's changed, that God's love for you has changed, but it hasn't, right? So let me ask you a question. So if light stimulates sight and makes things visible, what does darkness do? It hinders sight. It makes it hard to see God's nature and will. Right? Darkness is defined as partial or total absence of light. So spiritual darkness would be partial or total absence of God's true nature and will. Of the knowledge of it. All right? This is why Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 118 in the Amplified. He was praying for believers, not for unbelievers. He prayed that the eyes of their heart would be flooded with light. What is he talking about? The knowledge of God's true nature and will. So that they can know God's calling for their life. So that they can know the riches of their inheritance in Christ. So that they could know the unsurpassed resurrection power of Christ that is in us now. We need light to know those things. Let me give you an example of darkness. That's, uh, there's two common ones that I mention a, a lot because they're so huge and so commonly taught. Here's some of the dark things that are taught in some churches. That God brought that sickness into your life to teach you something. That we don't know if it's God's will to heal you. Maybe He has some divine purpose behind that sickness. That is a great example of darkness. That is ignorance of God's true nature and will. How do we know? We study Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We see the opposite in his ministry. We see him healing people, not making people sick. Right? Another dark thing that you'll hear is that, that, that God is in control of everything in the earth and that everything that happens ultimately is a part of His plan. That is darkness. 
That's ignorance of God's true nature and will. God is not controlling the earth. I'll tell you this, if God was controlling the earth, there would be no sickness, no disease, no crime, no rain, no storms, no earthquakes. Yeah, okay? So ignorance of God's nature is sometimes preached in churches. But we're praying for the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with the light of Jesus so that we can know His true nature and will. We doing okay? We're almost there. We're getting to something really good. So I guess you can put your seatbelts on now if they're not on already. So, what is the goal of spirits of darkness? What do they want to, what do they want to accomplish in your life? They want to keep you from seeing God's true nature, right? They want to keep you from realizing what He's done for you through Christ. They're trying to make your vision cloudy and unclear, right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 says this, talking about Jesus coming into the earth, says the people living in darkness were on planet earth. Hello. This is a dark world. Okay? People living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. Where is that? Planet earth. A light has dawned. Hallelujah. Who is that light? Jesus. I like how it says in the land of the shadow of death. What's Psalm 23 say? Right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. We could say it this way as New Testament believers. Though I live in this world, I fear no evil. Right? Because Christ is my light, my shield, and my strength, and my protection, and my victory. Right? I love that. A great light has dawned. Now let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him from Rhode Island and Massachusetts, right? As many as received him. Anyone who's believed in their heart that God raised them from the dead and confessed with their mouth Jesus as Lord, to them gave he Power. You put verse 12 up there if we've got it. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. It's by faith. It's not by church membership. It's by your heart believing in Jesus. All right? He gave power. It takes power to turn the lights on. I mean, we take it for granted. We just flip a switch. But, but if you take that light switch cover off the wall, you're going to see some wires going into that light fixture, right? And they go down through the wall and to your breaker box and then up through the, the, the wire to the, to the poles and to huge massive generators that actually provide power for large regions, right? But all we do is this. It takes power to be made whole. Jesus provides the power we need to be God's sons and daughters. Right? Faith in Jesus turns the light on. Faith in Jesus turns the light on, but the knowledge of God's true nature and will keeps it on. Okay? 
faith in Christ. It's good. You have to have that initial moment where you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you need more than just that moment. You need to gain the knowledge of who He is. And it's the knowledge of His true nature and will that keeps the light on in our lives. And many believers stop after that. They, they put their faith in Jesus, but they don't get the knowledge of who He is and who they are in Christ. So they're walking around in the dark for the rest of their lives. We started that church to change that. This church to change that. We, wanna, we, wanna, we want the lights to be on. We're like GE. We bring good things to life, right? Or maybe Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. So, <laughs> Hallelujah. So as you grow in the knowledge of God's true nature and will and start discarding of those dark ideas that God wants you to be sick for some divine purpose or that God's controlling everything in the earth, you get rid of the darkness and replace it with light. I've come that you may have life and life abundantly. Himself bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. Right? When you replace it with those things, the light inside of you begins to rise to the surface and radiate from you. And you become a light like Jesus in the darkness. Hallelujah. We're lights in the darkness. I love how Proverbs 4.18 says it in the New Living Translation. says the way of the righteous, that's you if you put your faith in Christ, is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Now, when God made the first man, Adam, we don't know how much time took place between the creation of Adam and when Adam fell. We don't know how long that was. The Bible doesn't tell us. But at some point in his life, Adam chose to put his faith in darkness in Satan's words, rather than God. God's. He chose to believe things about God that weren't true, like many Christians have today, right? That God caused that terrible thing to happen in your life. That's not true. Satan began to tell Adam and Eve things about God, that he was, he was kind of a, a, a trickster, you know, that he was up to something, that he didn't want them to be like him, and all these things, right? You can't listen to darkness if you want life, okay? If you want the lights to stay on, you got to listen to Jesus, so when he did that, when Adam put his faith in the words of Satan, the lights went out. Okay? He left the light and he entered into darkness to reject God's word. God's nature is to turn the light off. And when he did that, Adam couldn't see God clearly anymore. The true living God became hazy to him. And God is on a mission to turn the lights back on yes. in people's lives. Yes. To restore mankind's sight. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he stood up and announced his mission, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight. To the blind, that's physical blindness and spiritual, both, right? So God's on this mission to, to help people see again how much he loves them so that we can know his purpose for our lives and live life as his sons and daughters.
Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. Well, we're close, we're close. This is who you are now. You are all children of the light, if you've put your faith in Christ, right? You're children of the light, the light of Jesus. Same light that was in Jesus is in you now. And of the day, we don't belong to darkness and night. We don't belong to it anymore. Now look at verse 8. This is New Living Translation. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. You know, sometimes you're driving along, you get splashed, you got to hit that windshield wash, you know, and it squirts up in the wipers. Have you ever had, well, have you had a wiper that wasn't good? Isn't that a drag? And it's like not clearing your window, right? That's what condemnation is. That's what wrong ideas about God are. They, they blur your vision, and, you're, and you keep trying harder, but it's just not working. You need a new wiper blade, right? Faith in Jesus, okay? Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love. Oh, I like that. And wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. My stand fell. Let me say that again. And wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Wow, I like that. Pardon with me as I fix my stand here. So we have confidence. Knowing Jesus brings confidence, and that confidence causes light to radiate. We're confident that we're His. We're confident that we're saved from darkness, that darkness is under our feet. Amen. So God's Word is supernatural light. Are you ready? Yes. God's Word is actually perfect power. The light of God's Word can fix anything. So whatever challenges you might be facing today, you simply need to turn the lights on. You simply need to get into the Word of God and find the promises that God has already made you about your situation. In fact, I easily have two, three, or more promises already inciting about any situation I could ever face. And I encourage you to do that. For every area of your life, if you want to categorize them, whether it be financial, mental, physical, emotional, material, financial, relational, uh, occupational, there are promises. There, are, there is light for you. Okay? So whatever your challenge you're facing, get into God's Word and find three promises that God has already given to you regarding your situation, and the lights will come on. When God speaks, light comes. The entrance of His Word into our lives brings light. Right? Okay, that's good, and we agree with that. But listen, when you speak God's Word, light comes. When you speak the Word of God in your life, light comes. Did you know that? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says this. We having the same spirit of faith as who? Jesus. Right? That same spirit that raised Jesus is in us. That may not seem possible, but it is. It's, very, it's true. According as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. We say what God says about us. 
You know, that's how you keep the light on. You have a condemning thought or you make a mistake and, and Satan will come along and say, boy, you did that again? How many times are you going to make that same mistake? And what do you do? Do you agree with him? No, we say what God says about us. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we say. We speak light and we get light. Right? We say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I'm full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I'm not making these things up. These are promises in the Bible that are for you today. But if you're not speaking them with your mouth and believing them in your heart, the lights are off. Okay, the heart and the mouth are the generator that keep the lights on in our lives. You've got to be speaking God's promises in your life and believing they're true for you now. Okay, no one else can do that for you. Right, no one else can turn your lights on. You've got to do it. All right, boy, this is good. Now, Philemon put it this way in, in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual, powerful. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. By you saying with your mouth, love, joy, peace are growing in me. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are blossoming and growing in me, right? I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, right? I hear God's voice and I obey His voice, right? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. This is what causes that light to shine in us. This is what gives us strength to rise above condemnation and guilt and shame and walk with confidence. Okay? All right. Now, God's Word is light. It dispels darkness. How does God deal with problems? How does God deal with problems? He speaks to them. Not about them, to them. He doesn't go around telling others about how, posting on Facebook about how he's dealing with this and how he's dealing with that. I'm amazed what I see people put on social media. I've got this now. Why would you want to broadcast that to the world? Because you're ignorant of God's true nature and will. You're ignorant of the power of death and life that's in your tongue. Social media is not the platform for, for, for the, the, the private things that God's doing in, or some of the challenges that you're going through. Talk to Him about it. So God speaks to them. Are you ready for this? Genesis chapter 1. This is a little shocking, but it's really good. It's really good. Now, verse 1, we're going to read verses 1, a few verses in Genesis 1. Let's start with verse 1, Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, famous verse, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
What people usually do is they'll read verse 2 and verse 3 and they'll miss it. Look at verse 2. This is a very interesting verse. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. What? And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you ready? Seatbelts are on. I want to draw your attention to four words in that verse. Okay? The word was, right after earth, the word formless, the word void, and the word darkness. All right? Stay with me. We're going to break this down. This will help you so much. The word was in the Hebrew, you might have a footnote in your Bible. Some translations do. Is the Hebrew word hava. I don't know how to say it. But it means to become or to come to pass. So in other words, it, the, the, verse 2 can be read this way, if you'll put that up there with, and the earth became formless and void. Why is that important? If it became that way, that means it wasn't that way initially. Stay with me now. If it became that way, it means something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's perfect light. He's perfect love. Where did all this darkness come from? And the earth became formless and void. Let's look at the next word. Go back to uh, the, the full verse there in the New American Standard. And the earth was formless. This word is powerful in the Hebrew. Do you want to hear what it means? Sure. It means a worthless thing. Confusion. Chaos. Literally a wilderness of waste. Wow. What does the Hebrew word void mean? It means an undistinguishable ruin. Emptiness. What happened? It's interesting, isn't it? So the Living Bible, let's, the alternate translation of the Living Bible, let's put that up there. This is how it reads. The earth became a shapeless chaotic mass. This is between verse 1 and 2 here. Something big happened. Real big. And most people miss it. Read right on through. Don't even know what happened. The message says it this way. The earth became a, a soup of nothingness. A bottomless emptiness. An inky blackness. An icky, inky. <laughs> so let's read verse 2 with the definitions now. This is good to do. Learn what the word means and put the definition in. That's what the Amplified does often. And the earth became a chaotic wilderness of waste and undistinguishable ruin. Oh, boy. What happened? Did God mess up? Was he like in the midst of a recipe? Say, oh, I put too much pepper in. No, I need oh, too much garlic. No, God doesn't, God doesn't ever look for a way of doing things. He speaks and it is. He, he's never had to Google anything. 
right? He knows all things all the time about everything in every way. He never has to search for any kind of insight as to how to do something. He speaks and it is. So what happened here? All right. Here, we're going to get some insight into what happened. Are you doing okay? Yeah. Something big happened between verse 1 and verse 2. Lucifer rebelled against God. Now, Ezekiel chapter 28 describes it a little bit to us. We've got some time. We'll read it. Okay. Starting in verse 13. It's speaking of Lucifer's rebellion in Ezekiel. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. This is before Adam and Eve were ever there. And it may actually be referring to the, uh, a spiritual garden of Eden in heaven. Because things on earth, uh, the tabernacle are types of things in heaven. So I'm not sure it may be referring to that. And it's talking about Lucifer. It says, every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onus, and so forth. The workmanship of thy tambrels, excuse me, tambrets, and of thy pipes, musical instruments. So you have the gift of music was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. So God created a beautiful archangel named Lucifer. Every angel had free will. You know that, right? We see that in the scriptures. God made angels with free will, and he made men with free will. We're not angels, and you don't become an angel when you go to heaven, okay? Verse 14, angels are their servants, right? Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. We're going to see who he's talking about in a little bit here. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God, and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. That's Lucifer. All right? Verse 17 tells us what the iniquity was. Your heart was lifted up, conceited, arrogant, because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. Look at this. I will cast you to the ground. Very important. Where's that ground at? The earth. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. Luke, let's look at Luke chapter 10. Get a little bit more insight of this. Do you remember when the disciples came back to Jesus? They were so excited that the demons were subject to them. Like, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, right? What did he say to them? I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. When did that happen? Between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. Let's get a little bit more insight. We doing okay? Isaiah 14. It's good to understand light and know where darkness comes from. God didn't do it. Isaiah 14, verse 12, says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the, in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the ashes of the pit. Now look at verse 17. Remember we read in Genesis 2, a wilderness of waste that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. So we don't know how much time was between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. We don't know. 
Could have been a year, could have been billions of years. The Bible doesn't tell us. We do know that from the creation of Adam till now is about 6,000 years because there's a detailed genealogy. Okay? But from verse 1 to verse 2, we don't know. But we know what happened now, don't we? Right? Now, verse 2. Back to Genesis 1, verse 2. Isn't this good? The lights are, are, are shining, right? The light's coming on. The earth was formless and void, and what? Darkness. Is God dark? No darkness can ever dwell with Him. He's pure light. He's pure love. He's never done anything wrong to anybody. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. You know what that word darkness means? That's the fourth word we're looking at in this verse. It has this figurative definition of misery, destruction, death, and wickedness. So misery, destruction, death, and wickedness are over the deep. Let's put all the definitions in there. Let's read the full verse now with the definitions. So the earth, after Genesis 1-1, God created it beautiful. Satan and Lucifer rebelled, and some angels rebelled with them. The scriptures tell us that, right? We don't know how many, right? And they were cast down the earth, to the earth like lightning, and they just went berserk, right? And the earth became a shapeless, chaotic mass, and misery, destruction, death, and wickedness was over the surface of the deep. Wow. Hello, truth. I love when the lights come on. How many times people have read through Genesis and missed this whole thing? Now, we know that, that any kind of death is the opposite of God. Death and misery grieve God. He didn't create them. He didn't design them. They never were for us. Right? In fact, in His presence is the opposite of these things. Fullness of joy, not misery. Life, not death. Right? So here's the Spirit of God hovering over all this. In fact, the Living Bible says, let's put that up there in Genesis 1-2. The Living Bible, yep. The earth became a, sh a shapeless, chaotic mass with the Spirit of God brooding over the dark vapors. This Hebrew word is only used three times in the Old Testament. Okay, it's used once here to mean brooding or moved upon. It's also used uh, as fluttereth or shake. Jeremiah 23.9 says this, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets, all my bones, same word, brood or shake. In other words, it's this kind of grief that, that makes you tremble. Like, I, 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 this, is, this, is, this is so opposite of me, I've got to fix it now. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing. He's brooding over this darkness and misery and destruction. And he's saying, Father, speak. We've got to fix this. We've got to fix this. This is the opposite of what we desire. So the Holy Spirit is brooding over that. But what needs to happen for the Holy Spirit to move? The Father has to speak. Because he's the Father. The Spirit can only act upon the Word of the Father. This is why we've got to speak the Father's Word 
in our lives. Don't wait for Him to do it. You do it. Don't wait to feel better to declare that you're healed. You'll be waiting a long time. Declare now that I'm well. Declare now that my knees are whole and healthy. Declare now that my hands are strong. When, when the Holy Spirit hears the word of God spoken in faith, He goes to work. Amen. So what did God say in verse 3? Gee, this is really terrible. Let's make a post about it. No. He said, in the Hebrew, it says, light be. The opposite of this, be. Death, misery, destruction, life. Wholeness, health, beauty, peace, joy, be. Now, interesting to know, boy, we're, we're running out of time here. We're going to continue next week. Let, well, let's just read it. Let there be light, or light be, and there was light. What's light? The, true, the knowledge of God's true nature and will. Remember, the sun and, and stars and moon weren't in place yet, right? This is only day one. They didn't come to day what? Four. Okay, God saw that the light, His true nature, right, was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. What was the light that was filling the earth? The knowledge of God's true nature and will. Not the sun and stars that didn't happen until day four. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and there was evening and there was morning one day. See, when you begin to put your faith in the promises of God, your life will no longer be governed by the calendar's days and nights, but by the nature and knowledge of God's, God's, God's will and promise for your life. So day and night now for the people of the light are not determined by the calendar. In other words, your destiny is not determined by the calendar. It's not too late for you. It's determined by the goodness of God, by God's nature and will. That's what governs our day and nights, not the calendar. Hallelujah. Boy, I think we've got to stop here. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Now this has set up a foundation for us for next week. Because next week we're going to get into, because not only was speaking part of God's solution, but creating you was part of the solution. He made man to be his light bearers in the earth so that darkness couldn't have its way anymore. All right? And you're going to see that next week. We're talking about our identity now. This is who we are. We're light bearers. All right? And next week, you're going to see why bad things happen in the earth. Have nothing to do with God's will. You're going to see why God couldn't send Jesus right away. It took 4,000 years. And you're going to see why next week. It's going to be really, really good. All right? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the light of your word shining brightly in us. God, you're so good to us. You're so kind. Father, we revel in you. We celebrate. We take a deep breath of your love for us. We don't want anything else but you. No one else. Who could do for us what you've done? Who can love us like you've loved us? Father, I pray for anyone uh, here in, in this building today or anyone through the internet who might be watching or listening to this broadcast. Father, by your Spirit, let the light come on. Lord, help people to see how much you love them. Yes. 
and that through faith in Christ they become your very own sons and daughters and that they have an inheritance with you, that they have a divine purpose and that the resurrection power of Christ is in and for all who believe. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.